Disney season is officially upon us. Will it be a playoff campaign? Will it be a messy campaign? Hello everybody, you are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, where the beautiful game collides with deep passion and analysis. My name is Franco Penizo. I am one of your weekly co-hosts of this bilingual Inter-Miami-focused podcast, where we provide you with all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. We also go by the name of Miami Total Football Radio, which was present in full at the Inter-Miami Media Game earlier this week, which we will dive into in some detail here to give you some insight as to the overall experience as well as the highlights and the lowlights. Joining me on this week's podcast, which will be a jam-packed one, because naturally, it's our season preview pod. Yes, at long last. Well, joining me are Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita. Guys, gals, how are you feeling day after the media game? Are those legs sore as can be, or are you guys feeling fresh and ready to go again as soon as this weekend? Let's do it again. I'm fresh. And I'm ready to go. I have a lot to say and we have a lot to discuss. So I am happy to be here. And also I am looking forward to hearing your opinions about what happened yesterday. And you, uh, sincerely, I'm waiting for you to throw flowers my way. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Well, I know Jose, I mean, he stayed quiet there. But, you know, he said before the mics went on that he's feeling a little sore today. Jose, what's going on over there, man? You feeling some some fatigue, some cramps, some soreness? What's going on? Yeah, I am. I am. I am very tired today. <laughs> um, so um, the recovery is not going very well. But, but yeah, I, I would agree with Andrea that she was the MVP out of the Miami Total Football Radio crew that um, played in the media game. I think um, she, she had a very good game. Although you forgot to mention who won the game, well, we're not we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. First well, of all, we're not there you, yet. You can say it more than one time. You know, it's it's not a rule. Well, we're not there yet. We'll get there in okay. in just a moment. There's no need to. You know, it's a jam packed episode. There's no need to go over the same thing more than once. We can touch it, cover the base once, and then move on. You can tell who lost, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know why Jose is so sore, first of all, because it was only a 30-minute game, and yes, I think all of three of us played the entirety of those 30 minutes for our respective teams, but uh, yeah, I don't Well, know. because the practice was last year. Remember the practice that we had at Dry Pink Stadium? Well, it wasn't Dry, Dry Pink Stadium, but you know, you know what I mean. That was the last time I, I played, so what do you expect? Okay. Well, I mean, that was the last time I think I played. Maybe I played once after that. Nah, I don't. I don't play. play I don't play anywhere near as much as I used to. I wish I did, but this this aging body is breaking down. So, um, but anyway, all right. Before we get into the details of the media game, let's quickly touch on some of the topics we will talk about on this week's podcast. We will, of course, do our preseason predictions for what twenty twenty three will be for Inter Miami. We will talk a little bit of Lionel Messi. Will he come? Will he not come? Is this the year he finally dons the Inter-Miami pink and black? We'll share our thoughts on that. Of course, we'll also talk about the most recent game against Austin FC, which was the preseason finale, as well as this upcoming weekend's game against CF Montreal 
in the season opener. We're also going to talk about some players here, including Karen Gibbs, what his future holds, and Joseph Martinez, and where he stands in his bout to get back to 100% sharp. So, a lot to talk about, guys. You know we try to do it in our new window, in our new time frame. Last year, Andrea and I did a very good job of that. We, we made it under by a few minutes. Let's try to do it again. I know it's going to be a challenge, but if Tuesday's any indication, I think we're up for it. So, let's get to it. All right, before we get to the fun of the media game that took place on Tuesday, let's dive into some Inter-Miami stuff first. Let's start with Inter-Miami. And let's start with a player. And that player is Kieran Gibbs, who may not be a player or a professional player for much longer. Because we had a we had a roundtable interview with some of the Inter-Miami players and staff before the media game on Tuesday. You know, they, they had like a media day of sorts. Now, one of the people that spoke was head coach Phil Neville. And I asked him something that's that I've been looking into as of late. So I asked Phil Neville about Kieran Gibbs, whose sources have been, or whose sources have told me, has been missing from training for several days now. Now, Kieran Gibbs did not dress. He was not in the match day roster for the friendly finale draw against Austin FC. So, I asked Phil Noble this, and Phil Noble's response, you know, this was a smaller snippet in a in a bigger, bigger remark, or maybe I should just, yeah, maybe I'll just read the whole thing. How about that? Let's read, let's read, I'm, I will read to you guys what Phil Noble said, and you can also find this full quote and uh, a story with more context on Miami Total Football's Substack, which is miamitotalfootball.substack.com, and it's free, completely, entirely free. So, Quote, Kieran is obviously a part of the squad at this moment in time. It's going to be tough for him to get games. He knows what we think of him at this football club, and he has probably got a decision to make himself about the next stage. Does he want to just be a squad player, or does he want to do something else? I think we have left that up to him. We have had really good, open conversations with him, and we see him as part of this club. I think he does, too. End quote. Jose... I know you had very quick conclusions on Tuesday about what that all meant. So share with that, share that with us now. What are your thoughts on those comments from Phil Neville about Kieran Gibbs? Well, I think we can all agree on you know what the substance is right there. I mean, uh, Kieran Gibbs is just not part of the plans for Inter Miami this year. That that's very clear, and um, you know because of what Kieran Gibbs has. As has been going through in the last um, year here in my in Miami, um, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to have a lot of opportunities outside of of South Florida, and um, that's why you know we get closer to thinking, well, is retirement the next step for him? Um, but regardless, I would say this because that's a very personal decision. He needs to decide what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to play one more year somewhere else, which you know it could happen, um, but. Regardless, I, I think, you know, it's it's a situation where injuries play a, a major factor, I believe, because if you really think about it and you look at the left back position for Inter Miami, it, it's pretty clear that Franco Negri is the starter. I mean, we, we, we watched him for one game and 
he's probably the 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 best we've seen um, in an Inter Miami uniform out of the left back position. Um, so it, that's pretty clear. But the question is, why is Kieran Gibbs not better than Noah Allen and Harvey Neville per se? Right, because those those are the two immediate choices that comes to mind. Yes, McVeigh could end up playing as a left back as well if needed, but I think it all comes down to injuries. You know, how consistent can he be on the field? And he hasn't been able to prove that in his time here in South Florida. So, you know, it's it's very unfortunate because it's one of those situations that happens very often in my in Miami, by the way. Um, that okay, you have a player under contract, and that's the only reason why he is. Uh, an inter Miami player, right? I think that's similar situation. We have seen that before, and it's happening again. So unfortunate for both sides, I think, because uh, I think Karen Gibbs deserves to finish his career at, at a higher point, if not like this, if this is the end for him. And I think inter Miami, if you don't want a player, um you know it's it's unfortunate because you know just you just have him because then. you have a contract. yeah, pay them. Wait, if you don't want the player, then pay them. Yeah, but they don't want to do that either. That's why I'm yeah, saying it's unfortunate. Then because you, because you have, if you're a team and you don't want a player that has a contract, you have to pay them. I don't know why Inter Miami always has this drama with players. Pay them. And well, be you only have them. you only have one buyout a season, so. And you're not going to use it on Karen Gibbs, right? I mean, you don't want to use it. Who are you going to use it? You never, you never know, but you never know how it's good to have in your back pocket. It's like Karen Gibbs, who, according to the MLS Players Association, made three hundred and seventy thousand dollars last year. Like, do you really need to buy out a contract to save three hundred and seventy thousand on the salary cap or the salary budget? Probably not. Probably not. You're okay with probably eating that if if you have to. Which is why, you know, going back to the quote, Phil says he has probably got a decision to make himself about the next stage. Which, when you use the words next stage, that clearly to me implies you're talking about retirement. Like, what what else would be the next stage if you're not talking about playing? So, you know, I, I think that they want to, you know, call it have him call it a career. And then they'll find a role for him either... You know, somewhere in the front office, somewhere with the, you know, the second team, like we saw Ryan Shawcross do when, you know, that that deal came to an end and, and then he was around for a little bit, although we haven't seen him around in, in a while now. So uh, he doesn't figure into the plans. You know, sources have been telling me that he had been looked at as a left center back in that five man back line or the three center back look, however you guys want to label it. Um so clearly he was not really being considered, or at least that's my supposition. It doesn't seem like he was being considered all that much for that left back spot or the left wing back spot. And if that if that is the case, if that is true, then you know it's probably because his body just can't hold up anymore. His body literally has been breaking down uh, consistently since he arrived in in South Florida. Probably even before then, he was already having injury issues. And then there was always questions about you know an, an aging English defender coming to MLS and it wasn't just him there was also questions about Ryan Shawcross and Shawcross couldn't stay healthy so uh it looks like Inter Miami swung and missed on on this signing you know the proofs in the pudding Gibbs has played a total uh and it's, this is in the story but he's played a total of 27 matches in two seasons and he's had 18 starts so not not really impressive numbers he spent a lot of time 
on the sidelines. Uh, unfortunate, unfortunate end uh, for him if this is the end for his time in South Florida or his time with Inter Miami as a player. But also not uh, an unpredictable ending because again, right. then uh, the signs were there that that it was a risky, risky uh, addition because of his injury history. So. Um, and to be fair, I think you know if if they were trying to play play him as a as a center back, that's more like you know we're gonna try to give you a chance, right? Because we we don't think you can play left back anymore, so let's give it a try. And it seems like it didn't work. It didn't work because um, if you're if you're playing with three in the back, first off, how many games will you play with three in the back? He might not be one of the first three options, and if you're a backup in a in a three man back line, then you know the chances are very slim you're going to get minutes. So um, I think they gave him a chance in part because you know probably Phil wants once he he knows what Karen Gibbs means, so um, he wants to give him a chance. But at the end of the day, I think he's just it's it's just the injuries. It's just that it's just can, he can hold on. He can play consistently for for three to four matches in a row, and, and that's that's a big deal. At this point, that's a big deal. Especially in a physical league like MLS. Andrea, anything you want to add there? Because I believe you once said you were an Arsenal fan. Yeah, no, it's it's tough that this is happening to a player like Gibbs because, listen, even though here he was always uh, nice, polite, always calm and collected, and every time he played also, so, so I think he's a good professional, and he was a good role model uh, to to young players here. Uh, of course, he has experience. He played at the top level for a big team. So it's I agree with you guys. It's sad that it's happening to him, but I also can can understand him not wanting to stay and 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 be the the third option. So it's normal. I don't think he will retire though. Maybe he keeps on playing. Maybe we see him in another team. We will have to wait and see. I don't know because, I mean, he can either sit sit it out the year and not take Inter Miami's deal. Because I imagine this is just my my supposition again or my sensation. I imagine Inter Miami's telling him, "Look, you know, it's going to be very tough for you to break into the team this year and get minutes. So, this is what we have for you. If you want to retire, call it a career. We'll take care of you." post-playing career by offering you this position or whatever it is. Um, and like you said, maybe he's not ready to retire. Maybe the the change in profession from being a professional player to whatever is next for him or whatever they're offering him, I mean, he's probably not going to make 330 plus K a year. So, you know, maybe from a financial standpoint, he's also like, you know what? I'll just hold on for a little bit longer. But we'll see. We'll see how it all he's unfolds. He's not that old. He's just 33. So he can keep playing. 33 with the injury history has. I don't of, think he's going to want to leave money on the table. So, you know, if if he finds a way to another contract, I think he'll continue to play. And my question is, who is going to sign him given the record? I don't think anyone in MLS. That. I don't think anyone in MLS. Yeah, I think, I think MLS. maybe in England, lower division England, maybe someone would be willing to yeah. take him. But, I mean... I had heard something, and I don't want to get the details wrong here, but I had heard something about him having uh, in his contract with Inter Miami something about cryptocurrency at the end of the of the contract. There was, there was something in, in 
Yeah, something about crypto. But yeah, some, no de some, some details. Crypto that when. <laughs> well, so, so, so there was there was some details in his contract about crypto. Yeah. And I remember hearing that. I, I don't remember the exact details because the crypto is like you're talking Mandarin to me. You're talking a different language. So, uh, but I remember hearing something about that that his that his post playing uh, or the his his uh, excuse me his contract after it expired included some something with Inter Miami giving him some type of crypto stake or currency, something, something along those lines. But anyway, all right, we'll leave it there with Kieran Goose because we've still got quite a few things to talk about. It's time for some fun because we are going to talk about Tuesday's media game, which Inter-Miami, did Inter-Miami really just dub this as the first media game? So last fall, that doesn't count as the first media game. I mean, we did play one, although it was... That was a media practice. A media <laughs> practice, although we had a media game in the practice, but okay, fine, that's fine. No, no problem. Uh, it was a lot of fun on Tuesday. We will give you our personal stances here. And I have to commend Inter-Miami's communication staff because, you know, what they put together the week of first kick, the week of the season opener, you know, hats off to them because I don't know how many other MLS teams would give the green light, would give the thumbs up. So, you know, shout out to Molly Dreska. Rafael Cabrera, although his officiating was was very very poor, and we'll touch on that in just a second. Very dreadful. It's very good. Borderline, you, borderline Rafael. disgraceful. Borderline disgraceful. And uh, Michael Franca, as well as Mauricio Venegas. So you know, shout out to the Inter Miami communication staff because they put on a heck of a show. Uh, between it, it literally felt like a media game that one of the biggest teams in the world would hold because not only did we get customized jerseys, we played in the stadium where there will be a game this Saturday, that stadium that Inter-Miami will be playing on, we were able to run all over it. Uh, we also were able to get some in-game uh, hydration, like the things that the players, you see them, those little gels that they suck on there that help keep hydrated during games. We were able to get some of those at halftime. Post-game, we had little cups of the protein shake that the players take, um, as well as just like a, a full course sample of all the different food types that will be available uh, at DriveFing Stadium this year or at some, in some part of DriveFing Stadium this year. Um, there was pre-game interviews with Thomas Rongen. There were uh, <laughs> pre-match conversations in the locker room with the respective coaches. I mean, we were coached by two players on the team. Uh, what am I missing? Am I missing anything? It, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. They did it very, very very well, more than I could have imagined. Because, you know, I think the three of us have been part of the main core or the main group that's been pushing for uh, a real media game since 2020, since the team started. We've been pushing for a while now, and I think this surpassed what I could have thought, you know, it, we would have had. This was very, very well done. You know, I'll give a round of applause because, uh, you know, when Inter Miami does things well, and yes, we were involved, so you can say, and I can hear the argument that we're not uh, unbiased here, but I thought they did a, a very, very good job with everything that they put together. Your thoughts, folks, starting with Andrea. I really enjoyed it. I also think they did a good job. Um, we were, <laughs> I was, I personally was asking for a media game since long ago, since a lot of my colleagues from our our, our outlet also get got to play in the media game of their respective teams. So I was a little bit envious because they did it at the stadium and they had the whole experience. 
but Inter Miami and the communication staff, you mentioned that Molly, Michael, Rafa, Mauricio really did a good job. Um, they did a great job getting everyone out there, getting it organized. So I'm glad they really did it. I had a lot of fun. They did um, a good job with the whole experience, with getting the players involved and getting us the opportunity to play in the stadium because, you know, this stadium is... Even for Argentina, men who are the world champions now, they were very strict in what they could do and what they could use and blah, blah, blah. We got it. We got the whole experience and we used everything that we wanted. We used the locker rooms. We used the pitch. We used everything and, and we ate and we spent time with, with our colleagues and, and everyone in the media here from Miami. And especially we, well, Franco and I know, but <laughs> Jose... It got bragging rights, so I guess it, it's good. Well, we, it, it was a really nice experience. We also had, I forgot to mention this, and this is definitely noteworthy to me, we also had one of the team trainers walk us through the warm-up, el calentamiento. Like, we went through the different, yes. the different running drills, the different stretching drills, uh, you know, which was it's just, it's just another nice touch. And this was a media game full of nice touches in terms of what the communication staff put together uh, i don't know if it was, I, I don't know it was full of thing. nice touches on the field but nice touches in terms of the Even overall beer event. because we got a six we pack did. each yeah of the official team beers yeah. so it was nice and if you haven't seen our social media accounts or you didn't see them in the last couple days um oh that's something else see, see there's there were so many things um you know we posted pictures of our jerseys on miami total football's instagram account on the story section because when you walked into your respective locker room, it was done up just like the teams have when they walk in before a game. Jerseys were hung up with the shorts and the socks uh, in each locker. Like everybody had their jersey hang- hung up, you know, number and name facing um, facing you. Uh, you know, you had the socks, the shorts, you had the, the cleats, you had some uh, some paperwork there that was uh, was also included, as well as that six pack of beer. So. Again, incredible. We're going to dive into it a little bit more and give you some insight because I know some people are really curious as to how it all went. I'm dying to share the pregame talks with you guys because, you know, there was a very big contrast there. Jose, just very quickly, very quickly, because I don't want to get stuck on on any one topic, but just your overall thoughts on the media game and, and how it was done. Do you agree with us that it was beyond what we expected? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, it, it was great. And, um, you know, it, it's not only about giving credit um, to everybody that was involved, but, you know, it's just the, the dedication that they put into the event. It was just outstanding. You could see it in every single detail. Um, you know, they were, uh, they, they, they I, I think this is something that you don't put together in one or two days. So I'm sure they worked for a while in getting everything planned and so i'm i'm very thankful because i i did i really did enjoy every single minute of it there were big conversations is what i was told there were big conversations so yes this was clearly you know they they invested some money into this so you know part of whatever budget they have or whatever department has a budget you know somehow somewhere media game was allocated there so again um kudos kudos to them for for getting it together now let's let's share some insight here because the three of us arrived, we did our interviews in that roundtable setting that I mentioned earlier, and then game time. All right, we go to our respective locker rooms. Andrea and I were on Team La Noche, coached by Joseph Martinez. Jose was on Team Heartbeat, coached by DeAndre Yedlin, and surprise assistant coach, Drake Callender. Which, by the way, 
Drake Calendar being DeAndre Yedlin's assistant, that happened during, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, during our roundtable segment with Drake. Because I don't know what joke was made or what offhand comment was made after the interview ended or during or before. But Drake was like, yeah, all right, I'll be DeAndre's assistant. And then he actually did it. <laughs> so, uh, Andrea, share with the people what our locker room was like prior to the match. As people got ready, as people got changed, and then as Joseph came in uh, to do the pregame conversation, what was the mood? Paint the picture, set the scene. What was our locker room like? A fun mess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everyone laughing, everyone screaming, everyone enjoying, everyone talking, and no one wanting to play as a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our locker room. <laughs> Joseph uh, gave a speech and uh, welcomed us, but then he passed the baton to us, so we decided where to play, where to stand. Everyone volunteered where they wanted to play, and then Fernando Fiore took... Um, the, liber like, the liberty, the liberty. Yes, to be Joseph's assistant, and uh, he organized and he uh, scribbled down the names on the whiteboard. The people, yep, uh, on the whiteboard of the people who were going to to be playing, and uh, especially we had a good time, but we didn't have any conversations about tactics. I don't even know half of the people knew what position they were playing in. Of course, I chose to play as a center back because that is my position. Franco chose to play up, so on the right at wing. least, yeah, at least we knew what we were doing. But it was fun. On the other side, I think they got a little bit of more structure and a little bit of more <laughs> calmness. I, I'm eager to see that con so that people know that contrast. Wow, I can't wait. I can't wait for Jose to share that. But just to, to give my insight into our into our locker room pregame talk, like you said, Joseph Martinez comes in, he shares a few words, and then he kind of sat down and was hands-off much of the rest of the conversation. He kind of just let us do our thing. Uh, and Fernando Fiore again took took over there and uh, started naming the, the starting 11 because at that point we thought we were playing 11. Then we were told 12. Then it just kept changing. So, But nonetheless, we were cracking jokes. We were uh, we were in good spirits. Nice and light. Nice and light. We weren't listening to any music, which, you know, before the game started, I had been listening to music to get a little a little fired up. But then uh, through the interviews and then through the pregame talk, that, that, that fire kind of went away a little bit. But I was nice and loose for the start of the game. Meanwhile, in the other locker room, Jose, share with us. How was your rambunctious pregame talk? Well, listen, I, I, it's, <laughs> it's, it was completely different. It was completely different, completely new to me. I'm not saying it's wrong, by the way. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's completely new to me. I mean, every time I played um, football, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if this is a Hispanic thing, but, you know, we to get excited to get into the game into the rhythm you listen to reggaeton or you listen to some you know upbeat music well i was very surprised because you know everybody was re getting ready to roll and so we were waiting for deandre to come in deandre comes in everybody's ready for the for the game speech everything starts slowly and then you know um they decided to go for meditation which is something <laughs> very new to me it's something very new to me so, um, so uh, Drake, the assistant coach, as it should be, took over, and he 
Um, got us through meditation, yes, for like, I, it felt like 15 minutes to me. It was probably less than that, but it felt like 15 minutes. It, it, listen, I, it's the first time I'm doing it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be honest with you all. I mean, as, as we were going through, and this is probably why it didn't work for me, I just couldn't concentrate. And so I just wanted <laughs> to make sure if everybody was actually following the meditation, because you know how it goes, you know, happy thoughts, think about your teammates. And, and But in my mind, I was like, is this for real? Is this like the view of, of, of a soccer game? And, and so I had to open my eyes. And unfortunately, the camera just caught me. <laughs> that was the best. Well, they had the best photos of my the day. Eyes. I'm going to come and say it. Oh the, 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 the photographer was right next to me, I guess, <laughs> takes my picture. And everybody around with the eyes closed and d deep silence. And yeah, he caught me. So, but yeah, everything was like, everybody was into the meditation. It was just me who apparently broke the rules. I don't know what it is. So I'm sorry to my coach. But at the end of the day, we won, so I guess it worked. There it is. There um, it is. So, and I, and that's yeah. why I've been laughing. I, I, have to, I want to say that now. That's why I've been laughing because – Jose Andre and I spoke after the game. We stayed in the parking lot helping a colleague out who, whose car uh, got stuck. But we talked for a good while, and, and I can't help but laugh because Jose was, you know, he, he shared this just as he did now, but in a little bit more detail even because we, we had, you know, some time to spare. And the way he painted it with the amount of silence in the room and the way he said he opened his eyes and looked around and... Uh, was like, wow, everyone's really into this, except me. Uh, so he, he's, like he's on the ground. <laughs> I mean, this is serious meditation. It's not like, you know, if, if you go to a hardcore course of meditation, picture that and picture the Inter-Miami locker room. That's exactly what was happening there. Like, people are actually on the ground doing the meditation. And I was actually, you know, just at the same place. And it was just, it was just crazy to me. It was just, It was something different, I should say. It, it was different, and um, I don't know. I guess it worked. Again, I guess it worked. It worked. Jose's team, they had the pink jersey, right? The Inter-Miami heartbeat jersey. That's what they were all in uniform. They're all sitting there. Uh, and what makes it even funnier is that he says all this, right? He says that he opens his eyes. He tells us this. And then when the pictures came come out, which I forgot to mention was another incredible detail and a fantastic one, is that Inter-Miami had its actual team photographers take shots of us before the game, during the game, after the game. They also took... Uh, video of the interviews and B-roll, which is just like, you know, clips of different moments before the game, during the game, after the game. You know, and all this was, was sent to us, and we have it all here in, in, in a few folders that we can access. But in that gold mine of a photo album is a picture of Jose sitting there with his eyes open as everyone around <laughs> him has their eyes closed. It is incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, I, I will post it somewhere. Uh, uh, maybe on Miami Total Football's Twitter page, or uh, I'll post it somewhere. So if you're listening to this on Thursday or later, uh, look out for it either on Twitter or on Instagram. It's going to be somewhere because that 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 thing is incredible, incredible. Let's oh, talk well, about the game. Yeah, one last thing. All, all I was thinking at some point was, man, the other locker room might be you know a complete opposite of what is going on here. <laughs> I mean, we had an interview just like a few minutes before that with Joseph Martinez, and. You know, Joseph is Joseph, and he'll never change. 
So I can only imagine there's no way Joseph is having his team going through meditation. I just I just couldn't picture that. So as you can imagine, I did not concentrate on the meditation. And, you know, again, that's probably why it didn't work. So sorry, coaches. It didn't work for you. But apparently it worked for the team because your team, as you so generously commented, won. Your team won. Team Heartbeat. Defeated Team La Noche, which was dressed in the recent, uh, de- recently debuted new black kit. Um, that, that's what we are wearing with our personalized names and numbers. You guys won. Team Heartbeat beats Team La Noche 3-1. It was 1-1 at halftime, but in the second half, two goals for Team Heartbeat in the final five minutes or so. And, well, you guys were victorious. I will say... Some analysis here. Uh, provide some analysis. You guys were clearly the better team. Deserved winners, absolutely. I don't know if the teams were that well balanced, and that's to no fault of anybody's, but uh, I don't think the teams were too, were very even. You guys were the much better team. You guys took the lead. Uh, our goal came off of uh, a poor turnover at the back that one of our players capitalized on, raced forward, and scored. Um, besides that, from the run of play... I mean, we had some moments just like you guys did, but over the course of the 30 minutes, this was a, a game that was split into two 15-minute halves, you guys were clearly, clearly the better team. The second half, like, I don't even think we were on the field, really. You know you know what it reminded me of? I'm going to take you guys back to 2021. I don't know if you guys remember this. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it and see if you guys remember. Inter-Miami played at home against the New York Red Bulls. And this was a young New York Red Bulls versus like an age, an older Inter-Miami. And Inter-Miami couldn't get out of its own half. You guys remember that? And like uh, the Red Bulls just kept beating them to second balls and the 50-50 balls. And they just kept attacking Inter-Miami. Couldn't get out of its own half in that game. That was us in the second half. We insisted for some reason, especially Fernando Fiore, <coughs> who I told this to actually after, after <laughs> the game. I was like, why did you insist on building out of the back over and over and over again when it was clear that we couldn't keep the ball? Every time we tried that, we lost it. And we, like after two times, okay, time to, something, try to do something else. But third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. It wasn't until like you guys scored the, the go-ahead goal and it was like late and we needed to now frantically try to find a goal that they started kicking the ball long. And that helped us, you know, progress the ball over that very high press <laughs> that you guys had going on there. But at that point, yeah, it was, it was, you know, too little, too late. And then you guys find a third later on. Uh, you know, you guys, again, had had the better players. You guys had more quality and you guys were deserved winners. That's that's what I'll say. I'm just going to say I was out there looking like Nesta and Puyol. <laughs> None of the goals were my fault. I want to say that. And um, I don't know about we that. all have fun. Yes, we had fun. I see you. I've seen you chasing Jenny Chu on one of the sequences there, and I'm pretty sure in the clip you can hear uh, Andrea say "offside," <laughs> which oh yeah, because she was cleared offside. And I'm gonna say Rafa gave me a yellow card because we were playing with the back line that was another guy. I don't know his name. Fiore, me, Whittingham, Chris Whittingham. We were playing. For the offside because we know that we we knew that we needed to 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 get the winning goal so we were playing with the offside we were letting the her go through so that she was offside but then when it happened rafa didn't call the offside when she was clearly offside so when we i tried going uh, tried to catch her but i couldn't obviously so i went then then went to rafa and <laughs> scream at him <laughs> that he was offside card. 
and I got a yellow card, but I told him, like, wow, the quality of the refereeing is so bad. So I got a yellow card. But, um, yeah, that's right. And then they said that there was no offside, but in the first half, they called an offside. So the refereeing was a little bit mushy, mushy. But but let me tell you something. Maybe maybe Rafa has a career in, in with pro referees because with <laughs> the fits, quality that we have seen. <laughs> he fits right in. He fits right in. He fits right Listen. He uh, fits right in, exactly. I, and let me tell you something. Franco had got a... Uh, I got a yellow, but Franco had got a red. So is anyone surprised that the ones that fight the most in this podcast got a red my, and a yellow? I, I am fully appealing my red card because my red card... There's no way I deserved a red card. I got a yellow card, and fine. I said something towards the head official. And the head official in this game, another another nice little wrinkle here, was Rafael Cabrera, who we just mentioned as part of the communication staff for Inter-Miami. He was the head official. He had a whole referee jersey on. He even did a pregame interview where he jokingly, and I had even joked with the, with him about this before, where I was like, hey, do you want a CONCACAF briefcase? How do you want to, how do you want to settle this? In his pregame interview... He's asked by Thomas Rongen, and you can, again, I know you guys haven't seen this yet because it just it just dropped today. Uh, he's asked, what are the three keys to the game, and or three points to the game? Rongen asked, asked Rafa, and Rafa responds by saying, my Venmo account, my Zelle account, and I accept cash. So maybe someone slipped Rafa something, bro, because there's, how do you go from having offside in the first half to having no offside in the second half? I was, exactly. I was under the impression there was never offside but you said andrea that offside was called at some point in that first half so yeah, first if that's the case i don't know how the rules change mid-game unless you know some some uh some palms were greased or something along the line so rafa disgraceful <laughs> disgraceful refereeing i will be appealing my red card because i need to f- be able to take full part in uh, next year's game my red card was nonsense though literally nonsense I-, I accept the yellow the red card i was literally okay game's over i was a little disappointed i'm not gonna lie that, that we lost and-, and we didn't play better not only did we lose we didn't play well and i'm walking but i'm walking off the field i'm shaking hands i'm heading towards joseph and then i hear franco and i turn around and rafa gives me a red card for no reason for no reason. Just for show. He just wanted he wanted to be center of attention, which he was, because he got a lot of pictures he wanted there. wanted to be Mateo yeah. Laos. No, so, yeah, so, so he gives me a red card. I'm appealing it. But, uh, Jose, anything you want to add there uh, with regards to the game? Um, well, there, there was a lot of things going on that I'm just finding about. I mean, I, I had no idea the, you know, the back line for uh, Team La Noche had a plan for an offside trap. <laughs> I had no idea. Yes, that, that was our plan. That's, that's, that's good. But no, I guess, I, listen, I, I would say this. I think Adria had a very good game. Out of the three of us, I think she had a very good game. I had three chances. They hit the post. So yeah, was, Jose hit the post three times. And it, then... it was not going to be my, my day. I, I knew okay. that. I knew that's the warm-up because I, I felt something there. So... Um, but I, I think it was – I would give Andrea the MVP for, for our – The Miami our... Total Football Radio MVP for 2023's media game? Okay. Yeah. But overall MVP was okay. Jenny Chu. And I, and I told you guys last week – No, uh, I think it was the, the – No, Jenny Chu got a goal and an assist. Out of the three no, goals – No, I think just... it was the other guy. No, no I way. Rodrigo. I would give, yeah, I, I I give it to Jenny, I would give man. it to Rodrigo. I give, I Rodrigo, give it to Rodrigo was – Incredible she didn't do anything well. in the second half. Rodri- she was. She had a good half. She got the game-winning assist, Andrea, in the second half. No, yes, 
She did the hard. He he did the he hard. Did the hard part. Yes. He did a lot of good stuff. Getting the ball through, you know, hey, it was like they were know, both. They were like both were three teams in the middle. They were both a step above anybody on our team. And listen, I yeah. I said it last week yeah. on, on the podcast. Yeah. I also said it on a couple of other shows that I've been a guest on in in recent days. Like I've played with Jenny Chu in pickup, like five five six six. I've played with her before. I know she's played for Mexico's, I, I believe, under-20 national team. So I know she can play. When I saw her on the other team, I was like, uh, I don't know, man. It's gonna that's, uh, that's a tough matchup for us. And then, listen, you're, I think, I don't know what the average ages were. But, like, your team was, I think, n- n- notably, notably younger than our team. You guys had way more runners. Uh, we had a lot more older players that can't move as much. And, I mean, it showed. It showed on the field. I think the teams were a little imbalanced, but nonetheless, uh, you know what? All right, last thing, and we'll close out our thoughts on on this media game. I think we've covered almost everything. I want to hear a 1 through 10 player rating for each individual person. Not for the three of us, but Jose, your player rating for yourself. Andrea, your player rating for yourself, and I'll give a player rating for myself. You can add one or two sentences after your rating to explain why you give yourself that ranking, that point, that score. Jose, we'll uh, start with you. Yeah, I'll give myself a seven just because I, oh, seven, I this guy. I could have done a lot more. I should have scored. Franco, he was good. He almost scored. He hit the post should, three times. He almost scored. And that almost doesn't count. But okay, all right. Sorry. But should, wait, good, let, let me tell And he was on a much better team. But okay. Let fine. me make the clarification. He made those shots not like a tap in like the first goal of the heartbeat team, but he made those shots with finesse, with touch so especially the third one deserved to be a goal because he hit it well so i'm gonna give him that so i I should have scored at least once and you know i I was not frustrated like you with the score but i was just um a little a little bit out of the game at times just because there were so many people in the yeah and everybody wanted to score you know, it just it was a bit selfish. Ball. It was a bit selfish box, of, a, of a media game situation. See, that's the problem when you have cameras around. Everybody wants to get the picture, and so that's you know that's so, one so, thing that got in my mind at times. So that's seven out of ten. Thinking. Seven out of ten. Yes. Okay, Andrea, give yourself a player rating here. I was gonna give myself a seven because one that was my number. Oh, you gotta go higher. <laughs> and uh, but now Jose said seven, so I don't know, maybe. Seven and a half, eight. Wow, you I guys cannot... are very, very uh, complimentary she of your games. Game. She played a very good game. I had a lot of. Work. We gave up three goals in thirty minutes, man. I don't know how good of a game you could have a center back if you if you gave up if we gave up three this, goals in ten games. This is individual. I mean, this is not you know about. Not my fault. The first goal was Whittingham's fault. <laughs> Yeah, lay no the fact. blame. Point the fingers. Let it all out. Post game now. That shows how locker, how this shows how car together our locker room really was. There was there's a picture that is so funny because you can see it. And I gonna I I want to give a special shout out to my Inter Miami's photographer Carlos Goldstein because he took good pictures of all of us. But that, that picture I was laughing so hard because you, you can see Whittingham's face. He has his hand on his face and I have a face like yeah for people that don't know Andrea when she plays she gets frustrated very easily yes. you know when we're saying like a yellow card 
to Rafa, she was actually complaining. It's not like, you know, they were joking around. It wasn't like my yellow card. Yeah, she gets into it. So, listen, we've played in in co-ed leagues before, uh, Sunday leagues, and she always gets a card. So, when she's telling you guys that she's complaining, believe it. She's complaining. All right. I'll give myself, because I did it just at seven and a half, eight for herself. I'll give myself a five out of ten. I like my I like my game better in the first half, second half. Second half I was non-existent. Just I try to stay high. No the one ball, gave the ball, you the ball. The ball yeah. Well, so something else that that you guys touched on briefly that we didn't share is that the first half I think we played twelfth on. We didn't end up playing the full field at, at DraftKings Stadium. We played what like three quarters. They brought the goals in a little bit, so we played three quarters of the field, proper length, but uh, oh no, proper width. I'm sorry, but not not the proper length. Um, and we played twelve twelve in the first half. It it felt. Okay, it felt good from the run of play. But then in the second half, because they didn't want to have substitutions and people being on the sideline waiting, they said everyone against everyone. Like, everybody in, everybody in. So then it became like, I don't know, 16-16? I don't know what we were playing, but it was a lot of people. A lot of people. And we couldn't build out. In the second half, I just I just disappeared. I, I didn't get very many touches. You didn't get the ball, yeah. Yeah, I only had a few touches here, a few touches there, and I just didn't didn't see a, not a lot of it. The first half, I liked. I had a good pass into the final third. Some other good combinations. I took one ball away from Michelle Coffin when uh, her touch got away from her. Um, I, I was more involved in the first half. I got stuck in a little bit better. It was, it was just a better half. Second half, not so much. So I'll give myself a five. Out of ten, not not good enough to be acceptable of a performance. Not not for me. Not for me. What well, who who would who would you say who surprised you the most? And I'm gonna start saying mine for me who surprised me in a good way was Pedro from the El Nuevo Herald. He surprised me. Pedro, well. also the colleague that I mentioned earlier, whose car got stuck after uh, after the game. It just the just the battery died, but then somehow it magically came back to life after an hour and a half with after some some Coca Cola and some yeah, some meditation. <laughs> I don't know what happened. The car just came back to life on its own. I swear, I'm not even joking there. It just like worked. So, uh, who was the most surprising? I don't know. I've played. I've played. I think I've played with Ramses on the wall before, and he's got some. He's got some some footwork there. He's got some footwork. All show, no substance. <laughs> I mean, he did overdo it a little bit. But like you said, this game, there was a lot of uh, selfishness. A lot of uh, yeah. pl- everyone playing kind of for themselves a little bit. Is, which yeah. which kind of understandable, though, because, you know, there's so many people. And if you touch the ball, and because of the different levels of quality, you're not always going to get it back. So yeah. people wanted to get their there touches in. There were some fights. There were some arguments. There were some. There were some. Not me. Not me. I want to <laughs> clarify that. I was. I was fighting, but I usually just scream and not fight with anyone. Okay. Well, Jose, do you have anyone you want to add there really quickly? Because we're, we're switching gears. Think of goalkeepers. So I give it up to to both. Oh, goalkeepers. Jesus! Yeah, but Jesus was good. I think both goalkeepers. First off, they you know they they offered to play a uh, goalkeeper, which nobody wanted to do, and um, I think they both did a good job. I think they both did a good job. So those are two two guys that um, I think we should thank as well because you know yeah. if, if there were goalkeepers then it would have would have been what it was. So especially the one in my team who played without gloves. That's why you say one. That's why gloves. Yeah. 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 So again, shout out to Inter Miami for that. It was a, a very memorable and one we'll look back on fondly, especially with these great quality professional style photos that we have of us playing at Drive Pink Stadium. As close as we'll get to being professional football 
soccer players for uh, a day. So, all right, let's go back to the actual players that play games that matter and do this for an actual living, and that's Inter-Miami. So, very quickly, let's dive into this preseason finale against Austin FC. Inter-Miami tied 2-2 two to two against uh, Austin FC at Drive Pink Stadium. And uh, this was on Saturday afternoon. Now, Inter-Miami initially in this game fell behind in the 53rd minute. Emiliano Rigoni with the goal. But strikes from Corentin John in the 61st and Rodolfo Pizarro in the 68th pushed Inter-Miami ahead. 2-1 to one in the second half. And it looked like Inter-Miami was going to win this one and get their second win of preseason. But Owen Wolf, Austin FC head coach Josh Wolf's son, scores a very, very good golazo in the 86th minute, leaving it for a 2-2 stalemate. Also leaving for some frustration for Jose Armando in the press box because he had to rewrite his game story. So, what takeaways do you have from this game, Jose? I think, you know, it's it's a confirmation to me that, you know, the team is not 100%, you know, the product that you're going to see on 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 Saturday, it, it, it's going to be mainly what you see in terms of in terms of energy and the way that the style of the team plays. It, it's it's going to be mainly because it's the first game of the season and there's a lot of excitement. But the team is not a hundred percent. Again, it's 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 a common denominator throughout the the uh, the preseason, the games that we have been able to watch. The team plays at a high level offensively for 20, 25 minutes, and then you know something happens that everything goes away. When they're playing at a high level, they move the ball around. They're very effective. Beautiful combinations at the top. Uh, surprisingly enough, between Leo Campana and Joseph Martinez, they have only trained for a few weeks. And, and we saw some great combinations, but they just can't keep it up for too long. And, and I think that's something that has happened to this team. And um, on the other side of, of, the, of the field or, or the ball, uh, whatever you want to say, defensively, you know, and this is something that we have to come to expect when the team has invested so much in scoring goals. Defensively, they are very vulnerable. And um, I think that's something as well that we that we have seen throughout preseason. So I think we saw a little bit more of, of, of what we already knew. Um, maybe the spark, it's Rodolfo Pizarro, a beautiful goal. After he scores the goal, he brings energy and it makes you think, well, the old Pizarro, the, the Monterrey Pizarro, he might be back, but again, slowly, slowly, but surely fading out of the game. I think it's 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 going to be a process for this team early on. So <clears throat> before we go to Andrea here, this was Inter-Miami's starting lineup versus Austin FC. It was a 4-4-2 diamond, Drake Callender and goal, back line from right to left, DeAndre Yedlin, Sergi Kristoff, Christopher McVeigh, Franco Negri. Your six was Gregory, your two eights were Gene Mota and Rodolfo Pizarro, the 10 was Nicolas Stefanelli, and then up top, Leonardo Campana and Joseph Martinez. I agree with Jose in the sense that, you know, there were promising things in the attack, some nice combinations, some good sequences that led to opportunities that could have been put away, um, but weren't. So encouraging signs on in that sense. Defensively, I didn't see the vulnerability that Jose is talking about. Yes, Inter-Miami gave up two goals, but the first one comes off of a... Uh, 
an attacking set piece, a corner kick that ends up uh, into a transition attack for Austin FC and one one simple pass in behind Harvey Neville, who was in the game at that point, uh, exposed into Miami and, and left them scrambling and allowed uh, Rigoni to just break free and, and push a clinical shot past uh, Drake Callender. So that one comes off of a, an attacking set piece. And then the, the last one comes late on. Inter Miami's trying to throw numbers back to, to protect the lead, and, and Austin FC's throwing numbers forward. Um, so I didn't see them overly challenged over the 90 minutes defensively. I think there's still questions as to how this team can hold up defensively. I, I agree with that. Um, but we'll see in the games that matter, because we haven't really seen this back four uh, be overly tested, because we've only seen them in one game, and that's this game. And again, I don't think that they were overly challenged. You know, I think Inter Miami was the better team from the run of play. Uh, probably deserved the victory, but... Uh, but that's from the balance of play. The, the final score said something else. Andrea, your thoughts very quickly. I liked better when some changes were made in the second half when Joseph came up and Coco came in and also Bryce Duke came in. I liked the combination between Campana, Pizarro, Corentin John, Duke, and Mota. I think they played very well. I think um, Phil will need to look at that because... If the two strikers don't work, maybe he could change it a little bit. Uh, We will have to wait and see to see what happens in the first games. But what I liked the most about this game was Negri. I think he'll be a good player for Inter Miami. He's a player that has a lot of nice qualities. I think he can defend well, but also he is a good player going up going in the attack, I think he's better than Yellin, just from what I could see that game. It's more, I think he, more he, polished, right? Like a little more yeah. clear, a little more clear in his ideas. Where Yedlin, you know, you know, he's kind of a one-trick pony in terms of the attack. You know, he's going to he's fast, and right? He, Burst yeah. the speed up there and try to whip it across. But Negri is fast also, but maybe reads uh, has a little bit of more quality in his touch so I, I i can see him being a a, a big weapon for inter miami this year yeah because in this game you saw franco negri attack more right like more more of the attacks were coming down his side as opposed to deandre edlin on the right like you barely saw deandre edlin attack in this game and that's not to say he didn't try to get forward but the play like play wasn't going through him nearly as much as negri was negri was very very involved in, in trying to get that Inter-Miami attack going. And this is one thing that I took away from the game and something that I think we will see as soon as this weekend against CF Montreal. There is a pattern of play, one little sequence that I saw on more than one occasion. One of them led to a clear one-on-one opportunity for Joseph Martinez that you would expect him to put away, but he didn't. Goalkeeper made a save, despite a very good look for the Venezuelan. And then the second one, it just didn't come off as well. But the, the sequence is essentially Franco Negri coming in with the ball down the left flank into the attacking half. And as he got into the final third, he looked to play a pass. You know, again, this is outside the penalty area, but to the first of the two center forwards, which was, which was Joseph Martinez, who checks for the ball. Now, when the pass is played, Joseph Martinez, instead of staying there to receive the pass, he just darts forward, races forward, catching the defender or his center back flat-footed. As a result of that, the ball ends up going to Leonardo Campana, who is the second of the two forwards, you know, who's at the more close to the back post here, and in, in, in if that helps paint the picture. And he, as soon as he receives the pass, he flicks it on with a one-time effort to Joseph Martinez. And again, that's what led to a clear one-on-one look in the in the first half, and then almost led to another opportunity, but I wasn't not sure if either Campana didn't uh, hit get the weight of the pass correct, or if Joseph Martinez just didn't get the, the proper jump on it. 
But the second attempt at doing that, it just didn't come off as well. The goalkeeper was able to get to it first before Joseph Martinez could. Now, that was clearly, clearly something they've rehearsed. Something they've worked on in practice. Algo que han ensayado, right? Rehearsed. So, I asked uh, Campana about it at our roundtables on Tuesday before our beloved media game. And Campana said, yeah, that's something they've been working on. So, expect to see that over the course of this season. Because that that is one way... For Inter-Miami to unlock a defense, given that they don't really have a true number 10. Because I like what I saw from Stefanelli. I like what I saw from Negri, I like what I saw from Stefanelli. But again, Stefanelli, as we've mentioned before, he's not a true 10. I don't necessarily think he's going to be uh, hitting through balls left and right to, to spring the, the strikers. So I think it's going to be more combination play and things of that like. So be on the lookout for that type of uh, sequence from Negri, Campana, Martinez. That, that little play that we saw on a couple of occasions... It's definitely something that could prove effective. It should have led to a goal in this game. Jose, back to you, my friend. Let's talk about some individual players. I will ask you about Kripstov. What do you think? It's one game, initial impressions, your thoughts. Um, I think it's an upgrade from, from Damian Lowe. Yeah, I think if Phil, he, he was right when he talked about, you know, getting a, a very good center back. I think he's, he's a player that with his experience and, you know, within getting a little bit more comfortable within the locker room, he's going to help a lot players like uh, McVeigh and, and, of course, um, um, Sailor and Mavika. I mean, if you're Sailor and Mavika, I would step, I, I would go right behind him like every single move he makes, I'm behind him and I want to learn from him. Um, I think he's, he's going to be a good player for Inter Miami this year. My only concern with him, you know, it's over the summer, you know, when he gets really, really hot. Um, how is that going to affect him? Because obviously, you know, the weather here is something that he's not used to. So, um, and he's not very old, but, you know, he's getting up there. Um, so, but I think it's a very Franco good sign. Franco was retiring Gibbs with the same age. Gibbs, yeah. You know, Gibbs, Gibbs, also, Gibbs also injury prone where Sergi... He's not. As of right now. We, we <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But no, I think it's a very good signing. I, I think he looked very good. He looked very good commanding the defense. And I think that's the way it should be. Because remember, you have a young goalkeeper as well in, in Drake Callender. Um, so, you know, he is a very important part of, of Inter Miami and, and he needs to find a way to become a, a, a leader, um, very quickly within this team. I agree. I thought he was very composed, very polished, looked like he does have another level in quality over Damien Lowe. Maybe not as quick as Damien Lowe, but probably better positionally against one game, but initial impressions we're positive. I, I we're like to positive. say one more thing, which is something that we were talking about after the media game in the parking lot. I believe Christoph, he is the superstar for Inter Miami at this present time. Okay, no, just, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because now, see, now you're gonna get us away from the talking point of this game, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I, I got. I as the host have to try to. That's why I butt in with you guys, you know, and I cut you guys off sometimes because I have to drive the conversation here forward. And now you're getting us sidetracked. Don't say superstar because then it's going to make a case that you're not trying to make. 
You're saying he is the best player on this team. That's what you're saying. That's what your point was. He's the superstar. Okay. I stand by my comment. So, He's the superstar for this team. Super. No, you don't have to be the best player to be the superstar. You could be the biggest name and not be the super. Okay. Right what? now, he's okay. the superstar. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Jose thinks Sergi Kristoff is Inter Miami's best player, and apparently because of that, he also thinks he's the superstar, which, I, I mean, I don't think he's the most media-friendly, um, and not, I'm not saying because of his interviews, but I'm just saying I don't think he's the, the one that media will gravitate towards. Just, like, you know, Campana, Martinez, way more... Uh, None of those, knows, man. Pizarro is the media. Uh, seriously. I'd even say Pizarro, but any, but if you want to say he's the best player, I'll I'll listen to that. If you're trying to say he's the the superstar, I don't know if you could say that. I don't know, if, but anyway, again, bring the conversation back to this game. Bring the conversation. You can be a superstar without grabbing all the media attention, though. Sure, but I mean, he's a new signing that is a relatively a relative unknown. I don't know how you could call him a superstar, but even relatively speaking, here for the tonight, league, no, I don't. I still don't. If if you ask Inter Miami players to, to to give you his first and last name, I think many people would struggle. So I don't. Anyway, 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 back on point, please. Back on topic. Uh, Andrea, you mentioned Rodolfo Pizarro, and he's someone that you have never been shy about speaking about. Like Jose said, Pizarro scores a heck of a goal uh, outside of the penalty area in that 68th minute when the ball uh, trickles out to him. Bryce Duke was dispossessed of the ball. It falls to Pizarro. Pizarro one-times it off the underside of the crossbar, and it goes into the back of the net to give Inter Miami that temporary 2-1 lead. He does his Joker celebration. Again, it returns to Drifting Stadium after more than a year's absence. You know, you saw Campana almost did it because of how happy he was. You saw Gregory doing the gesture behind Pizarro. Uh, clearly, this team is a little bit more receptive to Pizarro than maybe the one of a couple years ago where Higuain and Pizarro obviously weren't seeing eye to eye uh, on the field. So what do you think? Is this going to be a year that Pizarro is a regular starter for Inter Miami? Do you see Pizarro starting, I won't say every game, but most games for Inter Miami? I do. Why? I do. Because I think um, he has shown and uh, he showed with that goal that he has, he's a special player, and what I mean with special player, he has special talents with the ball that many few players inside the team have. So it's up to Phil to keep up his good moment, to play him in a good position, and it's also up to him to keep uh, getting the shots, to keep getting the opportunities. Listen, from what I saw in, during this game and the other games that we saw on preseason, I think he's very open. He's very willing to put the work in. He goes for every ball. He tries to do it. So I I see his disposition, su disposición. So I think it's now up to the coach to give him that, um, like we say in Spanish, that palmada in the back, to pat him in the back and tell him, okay. I'm going to give you the starting spot. I'm going to give you the confidence. I trust that you can take this team to the next level. I'm not so sure he's an every game starter or uh, a regular starter on this team. I think he's going to have to really, really earn that. And I think think his place is the least secure of the four in that diamond, if Inter Miami sticks with that diamond. 
Uh, I think Stefanelli will be the 10 for the most part. I think Mota's, uh, a, you know, penned in uh, or penciled in uh, eight, and I think Gregory's your six. I don't, I don't know if Pizarro is going to stay there. I mean, he's going to have to really perform. I don't think he had a very good game. I think he scored a heck of a goal, and it's the type of quality that maybe Inter Miami doesn't have a whole lot of in abundance, that type of moment, or a player that can provide that type of moment. But over the course of his entire stint against Austin FC, I saw a lot of the same frustrating uh, habits and, and decision-making that plagued him during his first Listen, stint. his second half was better because he was in another position. So that is why I tell you, it's also the responsibility of the coach because you need to learn where your players play best. Right, but if they're going to play a 4-4-2 diamond, right, that's what they've said they're going to do, then I don't know. I don't know if he's going to to impress enough to be consistently a starter. Jose, very quickly, what are your thoughts? Do you see Pizarro being a regular starter on this team? That means, does he start more games than he doesn't? Yes, right now, yes. I think he's a starter right now. I think well, I think we've seen that in preseason. You know, it, it will be surprising if on Saturday he's not starting because you know we've seen him start every match that we, yes, every match in, during preseason that we were there that was open to media, he started those 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 games. So yeah, I think, but I I agree with you as well that you know it's it's it feels like Pizarro is playing out of position, but he's not, right? If that makes sense. Because that makes no you don't sense. See the, but if you don't see the full potential, you know what you expect from him. But when know, have we seen the full potential? When have we? He's, when's the last time we saw Pizarro, at, uh, you know, showing well, the potential? Before he went, Ken. Yes. Before so, he went. How Pizarro long? Before, how long ago was that? So you, Pizarro is not here, in, and it's been a while. So, um, were you impressed? Just, were you impressed exactly. with his overall performance on Saturday? No. No, I was not impressed. I saw a glimpse, like after the goal, you can see the the confidence was back. But like I said before, you know, it, it was fading out as the as the match went on. So I, I think it's on him. For me, it's not it's not as much as as Phil at this point. It's on him. You have one more year on your contract. You know, the twenty twenty four, you're going to need a new team. Do you want to be chasing teams or do you want to be chased by so many teams in Mexico or in MLS or anywhere else? That's on Pizarro right now. He needs to make that decision. Okay, so we're going to push past our, what our desired goal was and figure so because we had the media game to talk about. So that's fine. But going forward, from week one forward, we, we, we're going to try to do it within an hour intense time. So let's keep going. We're going Miami Total Football Radio After Dark. Uh, let's quickly, anything else from this game? Anything else? Uh, I thought Drake Callender, mm, he had a lot of rough moments, especially in the, in the second half with the ball at his feet. Uh, not instilling a whole lot of confidence in, in that sense as the season uh, draws near. Thought Bryce Duke was a, a bright spot there, and a, a lot of people have been asking me: Is is he, or should he be the number ten for Inter Miami? Since they don't really have a natural number ten, is Bryce Duke the closest thing to it? I pumped the brakes there. I don't know if he's ready yet. Yes, he had a solid performance off the bench in this one, but a lot of changes were made on both sides, and that does influence the game. Inter Miami also changed their formation. That's not taking away anything from what Bryce Duke did, but. These things do 
play a factor in uh, in the run of play. So in a, in a regular game, you know, from the start of a match, is Bryce Duke a player you can count on to be that number 10? I'm not so sure. I'm not so convinced uh, at this point in his career. He's still fairly young and inexperienced, right? Like last year was the first real season where he got minutes and he showed some flashes. I just don't think he's ready there to be a, a starting number 10 at MLS level. Uh, I think Stefan yeah, will be the guy. I think Bryce Duke, you know, if he fights for a, for a spot behind Coco and Stefanelli, I think he's going to be in trouble. If I'm Bryce Duke, I'm fighting right behind Pizarro. That's, that's what think, I'm saying. That's what I think. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Because, like, I, I just don't see him. Play, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it's not – I'm not saying Bryce Duke's not talented. He's talented. But I think because of his inexperience, because of his age, or more so because of his inexperience than his age, he just, the decision-making isn't there, like, on a consistent enough basis to be a starter. Because it's different when you come into a game like this one, where the game's a little bit more open, now there's a bunch of subs made, you gotta you have a little bit more space and a little bit more room to operate in. A game that's 0-0 from the start, it's not the same thing. And I don't think that Bryce Duke, in that, in that situation... With the decision making that he hasn't acquired yet, I don't think I don't think he could be that number ten. I don't think he can start as a, as a ten regularly and make the same type of impact. I just that's just my personal opinion, but I know not everybody shares that. All right, well then let's leave it there for the Austin FC game and, and switch gears quickly to this weekend's game. A quick little preview of Inter Miami season opener on Saturday evening at Drifting Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, against. CF Montreal, the fellow Eastern Conference side. Now, it's a team that, as you guys very well know, has Romel Kyoto, the Honduran attacker who has been no stranger to scoring a goal here or there on Inter Miami. Uh, but they do have a new head coach in Hernan Lozada. So a bit of a question mark as to what we should expect from CF Montreal. But we probably know what to expect from Inter Miami. So very quickly to dive into the game, I want your lineup predictions. What do you think, Jose? Do you think we see the exact same lineup that we saw against Austin FC? And do we see it in the exact same formation? No, I don't think we see the same lineup. I I, I would say yes to the formation, but I believe Coco starts instead of uh, Stefanelli. I think that, that, that would be my guess. Just because the Stefanelli, yeah, I think he needs some more time to get... Um, used to his teammates especially Joseph and 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 Campana you know it's that connection is going to be very important so that's why I believe Stefanelli he'll he will eventually become the starter but for Saturday I think Coco starts and the rest of the lineup is the same yeah I mean Drake um DeAndre uh Christoph um McVeigh and um Negri then Gregory, Mota, Pizarro, um, Coco, Joseph, and, and Campana. I don't know if Joseph is 100%. I think he'll play 60 minutes. But I just think, you know, the marketing part of things, especially in MLS, I think the team is telling Phil, you have to start Joseph Martinez. I mean, they can tell him whatever he wants. It's Phil Neville's call at the end of the day, so... Yeah, I, I, get, I get there's outside pressures, but, I mean, it's Phil Neville's call. Andrea, what do you think about the starting lineup on Saturday night? Who starts for Inter Miami? Do you agree with Jose? It's that lineup? That four, and are we going to see the 4-4-2 diamond again? What do you think? 
yeah, I think we're going to see that formation. And um, I can maybe, I was convinced maybe Stefanelli is going to be the same, the same lineup as the game with Austin. But Jose made me think because it's true. And what Phil has been saying, it may be that maybe Corentin Jean could, could get <laughs> that nod in front of Stefanelli. If you think, if you analyze and think about what has, Phil has said, um, and said uh, during the roundtables and have been saying. But then I think about, well, he's going to start Joseph. So why not take the same risk with Stefanelli? So I'm leaning maybe an 80% that is the same lineup and a 20% agreeing with Jose. I wasn't so convinced that during the Austin FC game that this would be the formation. And now I do think this is the formation. And I do think this is the starting lineup. I think that's this is the group you'll see on Saturday against CF Montreal. I don't think there will be any changes. I guess Coco is a possibility. Uh, Joseph Martinez could potentially be dropped, and, and you could potentially maybe see Ariel Lasser there since that since Joseph Martinez is not 100% ready. Something he said, something Phil Neville also stated post-game against uh, or after the, the draw with Austin FC. So those are potentially two changes. Maybe Pizarro. Uh, is is someone that doesn't. I think Pizarro start. starts. Yeah, I, 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 Robert I think it... Taylor is not here, so you need to have a spark if you want. If you're losing in the second half, you need to have some possibilities. And when you look at the bench, if you bench Pizarro, you're not starting with the best that you have available on the bench. So I don't think Pizarro will will serve on the bench. His bench especially because Robert Taylor, and we didn't mention this before, is on Finland getting his green card, his paperwork for his green card, so he's not going to be here. I think it's going to be the same team. I think, you know, there's possibilities. Again, Lasseter for Joseph, uh, Coco for Stefanelli, either Duke or if Taylor returns for, for Pizarro. Those are possibilities, but I think what you see is what you get. You know, Franco Negri was maybe a bit of a question mark because he went down with an injury in... In uh in this game, but they took him out at halftime just for precautionary measures. He seems to be okay, so he should be able to start. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to go with what the best team is, even if it's not at a hundred percent fitness or at a hundred percent sharpness. So I think this, that, I think the same team, same group. Uh, quickly, Jose, quickly, two sentences. What's the key to the game for Inter Miami? I think they need to score early. That's what they need to do. If they score early, they'll be able to dictate the tempo of the game. And then, you know, they might find an opportunity late in the game to counterattack to seal the deal. So you have to score early. You have the excitement of the first game of the season. You have the fans there. It, that That's the way it should be. Andrea, key to the game. Stopping Romel Kioto. <laughs> shocked. I'm, sh- I'm shocked no, to my I'm, very core. I'm serious. I'm, seri- I'm joking and half as serious because Romel Kioto... Um, this is something I've heard in Honduras. Tiene de hijo a Inter Miami because he has scored a lot of goals in the matches that they he, that his team and him has played have played against Inter Miami. But in all seriousness, also not only Kyoto but stopping uh, Montreal and the game. I know they have a new coach, but Hernan Lozada is also a very good coach um, who has experience, and I think Montreal is going to be. Uh, keep being one of the best teams in MLS and it's going to be very dangerous. So um, the key to the the game for me is a good defense, a concentrated defense, and um, 
stop in Ramal Kiyato. <laughs> so I will go with what uh it's similar to horses but not really. I don't think they need to score early. I think they need to be efficient with the chances they have because they weren't against Austin FC. They could have taken a lead on multiple occasions against Austin FC uh in that first half and they didn't because they failed to put the ball into the back of the net despite some decent looks and even Phil Neville at one point uh threw a fist into the air in frustration because he saw Joseph Martinez miss on another chance where Uh, a ball came in from Campana to Martinez at the top of the 18 and Martinez with all the goal to shoot at places the ball too close to the goalkeeper and it's an easy save. So I think being effective, being efficient with the chances, making sure that they make the most out of them, I think that will be the key to the game for Inter Miami. Keeping possession is also not a bad one. DeAndre Yedlin talked on on uh, on Tuesday to us during his roundtable segment about how Inter Miami wants to be better with the ball, wants to keep the ball a little bit more that uh, that they didn't do enough of that. that They rushed forward a little bit too much and got too into the transition uh, or into a transition battle with Austin FC. Something Phil Neville also seemed to allude to after the game when he was like an- analyzing the match and saying that it got too transitional. Um, so it seems like Inter Miami wants to be better in terms of possession, not always darting forward, keeping the ball, waiting for the moment to combine and break the opponent down, as well as also like Jose loves to say and like I agree with him sometimes to defend with the ball how by having it so uh those that's the key to the game for me all right we've been talking for a while let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll do our season predictions including what we think about where Inter Miami will finish and whether we think Lionel Messi will arrive we'll also do a very brief Q&A session and our final thoughts we'll do all that after this All right, listeners, time for our preseason predictions. And this is a pretty tough challenge because it's MLS. And all you need is one signing, one big signing at midseason, and everything can change. I think it would be more fair to do midseason predictions because I think that's a more fair barometer for what MLS is. But that's not as much fun. So we'll put our hands to the fire, put our hands to the flame, and see how we do. Last year, I didn't do too bad in terms of MVP and top score and all those things. I thought I did pretty well, although Hosted likes to... Horrible. No, no. You See, Hosted likes to take away my my preseason predictions because what I said something in midseason. And that's why I'm saying, again, preseason predictions in MLS should probably be made more accurately for midseason as opposed to entire season. But nonetheless, let's go. go. We're going to run through a few of them here, starting with... MVP. Who will be Inter Miami's MVP in 2023? Jose. Uh, Campana. Andrea. Pizarro. No, oh, Andrea. God. Come on, Andrea. Do your biases know no bounds? It's gonna be Pizarro. <laughs> it's my opinion, guys. Is this a free country? A free podcast? <laughs> oh my. Yes, it is a free country. But do your like your biases are just your biases. Like you, you can't see past the biases, Andrea. There's no. I don't. Nobody else besides. I don't even think Pizarro's mother is having Pizarro as the MVP for Inter Miami. Only Andrea Yanis has Rolfo Pizarro as Inter Miami's MVP. You can Inter- roast me at the end of the year. I mean, that's not even worth roasting you because I don't think anyone else has that outlandish, outlandish, outlandish opinion. Okay, I will say Leonardo Campana. 
Uh, I'll go with uh, with Jose there. I think Campana will be the team MVP, unless a certain somebody arrives midseason. Uh, top goal scorer for the team. Andrea, you start this time. Campana. Jose. Campana, yeah. No doubt. I think he scores over 17 goals this year. We're going three for three. I say Campana as well. I'll say 18 goals. 18 goals. 20 plus would be a really good season. I think he gets to 18. So And I stand and I stand by Joseph Martinez scoring less than 10 goals, by the way. Okay. Best defender. Now, this doesn't mean the player on the back line that, that proves to be the best defensively. It just means the player in that back line that has the best overall performance levels. You know, contributes either just defensively or in the attack, however you want to see it, but just from game to game has the best performance levels this season. Jose. Negri. Franco Negri. Andrea. Negri. It's between it's between Negri and Christoph for me. Yeah, I was between them too, but... Christoph will struggle with the heat. Yeah. So, Negri... I don't know. Something, Negri. Negri, I know it's preseason. I know he's getting to 100%, but something something tells me he he may not be overly durable this year. Oh, he's going to be very good, I, man. He's going to be I, very I'm not saying, good. I, I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I'm just saying I think he, I could see him missing some games. Christoph, I don't know if I see him missing some games. So I'll say Kristoff. Kristoff, uh, Sergi gets my pick for best defensive player this year. Uh, breakout player slash most surprising. Jose. Most surprising. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know who could surprise me from with this team. Sergi, uh, uh... Negri, Stefanelli. No, I already said what I expect from them, but maybe Stefanelli. I think that would be a good pick. I think he looks good um, once he gets used to everything. Um, he said his family is here now, so that will obviously help. So, yeah, I, I can go with, with Stefanelli. Yeah. Andrea? I'm going to say Negri. I think he's going to have a great year, and he's going to be a breakout player, not just for Inter Miami, but for MLS. I will say mm, Stefanelli looks like he's... I like what I see from Stefanelli. But I think there's more competition for places there. Uh, I'll say Franco Negri. I'll say Franco Negri. Even though I think he has injury concerns and that might take him out of some games, I still think he'll, he'll have a, a breakout season. Um, looks looks promising. Promising. Okay. Most disappointing. Who will fail to deliver up to expectations? I think Jose and I have a... Pretty. Let me go part. Let me go first. Then you can begin. Robbie Robinson. Can... Oh my goodness! Do you have any expectation from Robbie Robinson? I mean, okay, go ahead, finish. Most disappointing player of the season, I think, is gonna be Robbie because not, he's not getting chances in this team. But I mean, if he if he plays two games in the season, I mean. I can expect him to play five or seven. I'm, I'm face palming at Andres. I don't expect him to play many games. So, Lacava so, is better. So, so okay. Right. Yeah, Jake Lacava. That, that's an interesting one. That could be a most surprising or a breakout candidate, Dark Horse, maybe. Um, but, okay. I can't believe Andres said Robbie Robinson. Like, I'm just face palming. Jose. I think, I think most disappointing, and not because of him, 
but because of the way the team is playing this year, is going to be Ari Lassiter. Because, I mean, what we saw from him last year was very good, and I don't think we're going to see the same this year, just because they're not going to be playing through the wings. They're going to be central. So, you know, he's going to, he's caught out of position. So I'm I'm very concerned about that because, you know, he's still young, well, not young, young, but, you know, he's looking to get um, a, a big opportunity and I don't think he's going to get it this year. There's not, there's not a position for him within this team. I'm going to say, and though I do think he'll do better than he did the last time we saw him in Inter-Miami jersey, I don't think it'll be enough. So I will say Rodolfo Pizarro. I think he will, you know, he is a designated player. So just based off that alone, you have to expect him to produce some decent numbers. I don't know if he does. I don't know if he does. So I'll I'll choose Rodolfo Pizarro. Maybe I'm wrong at the end of the season. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. We're not that different in just some points. Some uh, Andrea, I feel like Andrea's feeling a little uh, self-conscious about her, her choices. No. <laughs> No, yeah. I, I am comfortable with my choices. I am mm. comfortable. We will see. We'll see. It's a long season. And, and we'll see. Listen, in this league, uh, a lot of things play in. We saw last year the perfect example. Gonzalo didn't play and everyone wanted him gone. And listen, he ended up as the MVP, the goal scorer and everything from the team. So and I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust. Like with Pizarro, I always stood... And I told you, and we had a lot of discussions before I joined the podcast where I told you, I don't care if Iwain has one leg. I will pray him before everyone that is available, even when he was on the bench. So Welcome, welcome to 2022. Welcome back to 2022. Andres, take us back to 2022. Yes, yeah, I stuck with that. So I'm going to stick with my footballing god with Pizarro, and I think he's going to have a good season. This could be a lot of fun at the end of the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Couple more here, a couple more. Lionel Messi. Do we see him don the pink and black? Messi and La Rosa Negra. Do we see that happen in 2023? We answered this in the parking lot. I will tell everyone if you guys have changed your answer since then, and I will call you a liar right here and now. Andrea, starting with you. No. Jose. Yes, I think he will be here. I agree with you. I think so as well, which is why. You know, I said, eh, maybe the MVP could change. Maybe, you know, things could change in that regard. Because I do think Messi is is on his way to South Florida. It's not inside information. Just my supposition. Just my sensation. I think he'll be here. I think Inter-Miami, uh, life will change for Inter-Miami in a big way in 2023. Uh, all right. Position in the standings in the Eastern Conference. Top nine make the playoffs. Eight versus nine, it was just announced. We'll play a play-in game. Then after that, the first round of the playoffs consists of three games. That is enough for Messi not to come here. <laughs> Where does Inter Miami finish in the table? Jose. Uh, I think they make the playoffs. I I think they'll be in sixth place, I think. Same as last so same as last year. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that, you know, this year making the playoffs is nah, it's blah. It's, it's nine teams making the playoffs. So they'll be six. According to you, should, according four, to you, like by your way of viewing it, you should only be saying there's only seven teams that make the playoffs because eight versus nine, or I guess eight teams because eight versus nine doesn't count. This year is different because it's according to the rules. In 2020, 
That was all right. All right, we're not going back to 2020. We're not going back to 20. We know, we know your stance. We know your stance. Don't bring those arguments in, then. Don't bring those arguments in. (laughs) Andrea, Andrea, where does Inter Miami finish in 2023 in the table? I think um, between six or seven. Um, I didn't want to say six because Jose already said it, but yeah, maybe six. The same, same as last year. They haven't done enough for me to put them above. So I think um, that's the measure, six. And they'll say that they wanted to play a playoff game at home, so they'll get one out of two. And Oh, no, maybe more. More, because with the yeah. new format, yeah. So mission accomplished. That's it. You know how it is. You know how it is. I will say, yes, they make the playoffs. I think... I mean, because I think Messi's coming, so I have to take that into consideration here. I'll say seven. Seven with Messi on board. Without Messi, they might miss the playoffs. They could finish eighth or ninth, but they could also miss the playoffs. If Messi's here, I think they make it. Uh, But I don't think they make it as one of the top, top teams in the East. Now, end result. Any trophies for Inter-Miami this year? No. Jose? Mm, No. No trophies. I say three for three there. No trophies for Inter Miami in 2023. Okay. All right. Very quickly, Q&A session. Uh, we'll take one. We'll take one. It's from IMCF Geo. Has the dislike, borderline hatred of Pizarro been a bit unjust? Apart from Lewis Morgan, Pizarro was a bright spot in a rather lackluster squad. He was a decent player and scored up until Iguain joined. I feel like people forget that. Thoughts? Well, Thank t- you, Gio. Well, we've touched on this. We've touched on this. And I I mean, we've said this in different pods over the over the years. And yes, Pizarro did perform better before Higuain arrived. Once Higuain arrived, the performance levels dipped. And, and he just wasn't the same. Now, can he rediscover that on a team without, without Higuain? I mean, the odds are better. I really think he can because in this team, he is surrounded by people that uh, like him and like him maybe more than other players that are stars in comillas in their uh, in the team so i think uh, you could see that when he scored that goal and all of them ran to him and how happy they were truly happy they were so i think this is a team that is a good uh, with his teammates this is a team that is a good fit for pizarro and listen i have seen pizarro do Amazing things when he was in Mexico first. Everyone remembers him in Monterrey, but he came out of a Chivas and he was a, a brilliant player there. So um, how many I years think ago he was still that, Andrea? How yeah, that was years was ago. That? But he is a player that has talent, Franco. And when you are a player that has talent, it in this league it doesn't take that much. I Listen, think, I think he needs to be the guy. I think he needs to feel like he's the guy to be at his best. And that's what we saw from him early on in 2020. I don't think he's going to be or made to be feel like he's the guy on this team in 2023. Yeah, by the team. I agree so, with so that. So I don't think that we'll team, see. I don't bad. think we'll see that version of him. I think we could see a better version of him, like I said before. I just don't think we'll see that much better version. Not, a, not enough. Like Clearly, I think he's going to be the most disappointing player of this season. So I think you know. the, the only way he excels in this team is if he's able to move past Coco and Stefanelli play 
get gets an opportunity as a 10 and becomes a regular 10 for this team. I think that's the only way. I don't think it's a good enough eight. And obviously that's a very slim chance because you need to move past two players that are fighting for the starting spot, maybe move past even Bryce Duke. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't think it's that good of an eight to excel. You would never sign Pizarro to a DP contract if you're going to play him as an eight, the way he's going to play this year. Yeah, it's the disrespect that Pizarro has gone through with Inter Miami is a lot. I don't know if it's disrespect. I just I'm think... I'm with her disrespect, man. Those kinds of disrespect... It's- are getting, outla- are getting outlandish here, man. They're getting, out- they're getting outrageous, Andrea. Like, it's, not di- it's not disrespect. Brasco, it's because you're not he's playing. He's the only designated player, and he's not on one billboard. That is disrespect. No, but he hasn't earned that. He hasn't He hasn't earned anything it's with Inter Martinez did. He just came to the team, and he wasn't all, he's in all the billboards. Well, that's marketing. That's different. I'm, I'm talking. Well, you're you playing know. Pizarro millions of dollars, and you're playing. No. Jo- and you're yeah, paying but- Joseph less. So? That- that's it marketing. is disrespect. That's marketing. We're talking, you know, with Pizarro playing as a 10 and earning a spot in the I'm, starting I'm, 11. I'm, I'm responding to Franco that I think the team is disrespecting Pizarro and the decisions in marketing, in his media availabilities and everything. It's a disrespect for a player, for a player uh, that is a designated player. I don't know. I don't know. And Andrea's going on one. Uh, maybe Andrea has her own island, <laughs> and it's not too far <laughs> from Jose's island. Maybe you guys are just like out in the ocean, not too far from. Well, you told me that with Iwain last year, and see, let's we know what yeah. happened. Did I? Did I know? Okay, all right. Um, all right. Let's go to the final thoughts, so we can wrap up the show. It's been a long one. Uh, I'll start now. During the media game or the media day on Tuesday. Uh, you know, as fun as we were having in the stadium, as soon as the game ends, uh, you know, people grab their phones again and start scrolling through Twitter. And there was some not so great news for Inter Miami that overshadowed, I think, needlessly, uh, you know, all the positive stuff that did happen on Tuesday. And that was the Athletic uh, reported or the Athletic stated that two of the reporters uh, were uninvited to media day because of a story that they published over the weekend from an exclusive interview they had with Phil Neville. And that story, if I'm not mistaken, had to do with Phil Neville being critical of the MLS playoff format not being announced just yet. And, well, it, it wasn't anything that, like, the reporters said or stated. It was just they just presented what Phil Neville said. But apparently Inter Miami took exception to that. I've had multiple people say that, you know, it's Jorge Mas. Not necessarily Phil Neville, who probably took exception to it. I don't know who it was, but uh, regardless, it was a bit of a of a black eye on what was otherwise a fantastic day um, for for Inter Miami. And look, it's un it's it's unnecessary. It's unjust. You can't just block media from coming to events just because they write something you don't like. You don't control the media in that way. So whoever made that call, that's not how this works. And it's it's like. On a day that was going so well for Inter Miami, why? Why, why, why do you guys have to, like, get into in your own way? Like, you essentially spit into the wind and back into your own face. On a day where you were going to get so much good publicity, you ruined it. So, unnecessary, unjust, uh, needless, and just disappointing. Disappointing that on a day that where we were having so much fun and it was looking like it was going to be a positive 
memory for Inter Miami, it comes, of course, with some negativity, uh, as has been the case for much of the first three years and change. All right, that's my final thought. Jose, your turn. I'll share your final thought because, you know, I think uh, it, it made me feel bad when I when I heard the news because I will always stand um, with with reporters in situations like this one because um, you, you have to do your job. You have to do your job. And, you know, your job is to report. Um, and especially in this case, you know, it's it's an interview. Uh, so you ask the questions and um, you get answers and you work on them. You write a story depending on that. You have information. You have a message that you want to send. And uh, uh, I think last time I checked, we, we are free to, to, to write here. And, and some outlets are so good that they will let you, um, you know, put your opinion out there and, and back you up. And I think that's exactly what happened with The Athletic. Which, well, they they didn't know, even put an opinion. They just put out what Phil Neville said. I, I don't know if it was the framing or I don't know what Inter Miami took exception with, but if it's what Phil Neville said, it's what Phil Neville said. I mean, I, I read the article from The Athletic. I didn't see anything where I would be like, hmm, well, I could see Inter Miami's point there. I, like, I, it just, it's reporting. And does Phil Neville, did Phil Neville say something that is not necessarily MLS friendly? Sure. But well, you know, what, it's what it's, Phil Neville said. That's not, that's not the reporter's fault. That's what Phil Neville said. In a, in a similar scenario today, um, Steve Cherundolo was talking about the same situation and he did talk about, you know, the playoff format and LAFC ended up cutting that part of the, of the, of the press conference that they sent out to Bush media. Bush league, man. So, Bush league. That's Bush league, man. Yeah. But it, that mean, is terrible. It's, it's bad, but you know, it's, it, we've been in MLS and we know those things happen. You know, when they want to send a message out there, the, the playoff format Inter -Miami, is beautiful. Inter Miami is supposed to be a big club. That's what they claim they want to be. So act like a big club. The same way you acted like such a big club in terms of the media game and how you got every detail right there, you got to be a big club across the board. Like, you don't get to nitpick media, national media coverage of the team. Like, well, oh, I bet you if they had come into Dry Pink Stadium or into Phil Neville's offices and written this freaking amazing piece about how Phil Neville, the man who turned the tide in 2022 and is going to steer the ship to success in 2023 with Lionel Messi potentially in the wings. Like, oh, yeah, I bet you that would have been, oh, I'm incredible, amazing. Oh, pat on the back for those reporters. But because it's not painted in the way you want, then you can't just shut your door. You have to accept it for what it is. And again, it's not even like The Athletic, you know, wrote something like, Uh, Especially, it's because it's what Phil said. Exactly, it's, not it's, even it's, the reporters. It's Phil said it, and he has expressed these sentiments in the past a lot of times. And he always gets a call from the MLS office telling him to please don't say that. Blah blah blah. We have seen it a lot of times, but this time, Inter Miami making that decision to not uh, let the reporters from the Athletic come to the media day. It was really horrible. I don't know who, who decided it. I, I, as Franco said, I don't think it was Phil Neville. I don't think it was the communication staff that was with us there. I think there's, uh, I don't even think Jorge Mas decided that because I think. So who do you think decided it? MLS. Name a name. It sounds MLS. like MLS. MLS. MLS office. MLS press office. Yeah, I would agree with that scenario. I would say they got a, an email, a call from the league, and that's the way Inter Miami reacted. That would yes. be my guess. That yes. would be my guess, which is I not good, regardless, because you could have done something. Yeah, that team could have handled it better. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't put much past MLS, but 
I think I think I think it's more. I think it came from Inter Miami, man. I think someone in Inter Miami, whether it's Jorge Mas, I don't know Chris Henderson, someone from Inter Miami was not happy with that article. That's what I think. That's Listen, I Inter Miami needs every press that they need. I don't think they care if it's good or bad. No, Inter Miami does care. And we were just talking, and I've said it on the on the shows I was on earlier this week to preview the season. Like, I got certain pushback this preseason for putting the scores of the preseason games out there with the goal scorers. So clearly, there's 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 for some reason Inter Miami has a problem with like media doing its job. But again, if we're doing our job when things are dandy and well, well then that's fine. But when it's not in the way that they can control, then that seems to be an issue. And that is an issue because you do not control the media. The media does not work for you. Like that 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 needs to be clear. I don't understand why that there why there's this this confusion as but to as to what what the roles are. The story here. was about the playoff format, wasn't it? Yes. So, Inter-Miami, they don't even know if they're going to be in the playoffs. So, why would they be so bothered by that? Oh, come on, host. You, I mean, that's, that's, that's a different talking point. Like, that's completely I mean, different. Yeah. It, it's the league, Franco. It happened today with I mean, LAFC when, when people began asking Cherundolo about the, only the thing, format. The only thing I'll and he say, began saying it's no, no, no. horrible. They cut it off. Well, that's, okay, that's different. That's, you, but, like... It's a league. It's a league like a directrice from the maybe, league. Maybe, maybe because the, in the article, in the article, it does say like you know the, the initial uh, quote that Phil Neville had, and there was like a, a an, an editor's note or Inter Miami followed up by saying um, blah 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 blah. Like they they kind of try to give like a much more flowery post interview comment for the Athletic. So. Maybe it was MLS cracking down the whip on Inter Miami, and I don't know. I don't know. But either way, it's not. It's unnecessary and it's, it's ugly, and it's not the way it should be. I stand with the Athletic, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we stand, of course, of course. As media members, as independent media members that we are, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it, it it sucks that we have to talk about this, uh, yeah. Because it, again, Tuesday was such a great day from the local standpoint, and then Inter Miami botched that. But they botched that nonetheless. So here we are. All right. Well, let's leave it there. We've had a long, long, jam-packed show. I didn't even get to talk about how I think uh, La Noche is Inter Miami's best jersey of all time, despite its monochrome crest. But I'll leave that for another another time. So if you're going to the game this weekend, enjoy. Have fun. We will be back next week to analyze the first game of the 2023 season. So for Jose Armando, for Andrea Yanis, Franco Pinizzo, you have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again. <laughs>